Welcome back to another episode of Call Me Crazy. Y'all can call me Baz. It is a brand new week. Happy Sunday to everyone who is tuning in on Key Radio. Um, We are back for another weekly dose of mental health and wellness and a little bit of mental hygiene. We are actually joined with a very suited guest for this topic. I will let her introduce herself shortly, Um, but I'm really excited. I've Honestly, like I always say I'm excited, but I feel like I've really wanted to pick your brain for a long time. Um, But I'll stop talking and I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit. Thank you so much, Baz, for having me. My name is Kiosha Love. I am an artist, activist, and educator in Toronto. And a lot of the work I do is centered around mental health and wellness and creative wellness and creative arts. And I like to kind of bring them all together to kind of, you know, encourage different communities to engage in positive mental health um, and just like holistic health um, in general. I love that. And I think the first time I crossed paths with your work was with Our Women's Voices. Um, and of course, I've been following it for a while and it actually has taken up a lot like I love that it's taken up a lot of um I guess viewership or following in the last couple of years um and I know it caters to marginalized BIPOC women and embodies kind of everything that you've done with art and education and all that but I would love to know a little bit more and just give our listeners um kind of an understanding of what that is Of course. Yeah. Our Women's Voices is my baby. Um, Our Women's Voices is a nonprofit um, organization in Toronto that I founded back in 2016. Um, So it's about almost five years long. um, And we've been doing a lot of like arts, education and community work within the city. Um, And obviously in a pre-COVID world, um, we would do a lot of different events and workshops um, for women either for free or for very low cost um, for women to either like be informed, to be empowered. Sometimes we do showcases to showcase and highlight the different women creatives in the city. Um, Sometimes we do workshops on healing, on sexual violence, um, on art. Um, We just provide a lot of different outlets and resources for women who might need it and also non-binary folks as well. Um, And it's really just become a really um, powerful um, platform to also just you know, enforce and enact social change. And I think that's really important too. Um, It's about starting these conversations, you know, opening dialogue and also coming together as a community. So Our Women's Voices is really like a really great platform for community building and also for creating social change. I love that. Yeah, community is everything. The more and more I'm like that we're getting deeper and deeper into this uh, panoramic, I'm just realizing like I'm such a, I used to, think I was very much like independent I don't need people but community so the social wellness aspect is like whoa I need that I miss that I think that's like a conversation that I'm having like a lot lately too because I think you know we live in like a westernized kind of culture and that has a huge emphasis on like individual healing and like private healing and if like something's wrong with you you kind of like do that on your own and you kind of it's your kind of issue to solve, right? If something's wrong with you, you fix it. And although that's like partially true, there's a lot of gap between like the collective and community healing um, and, you know, the different kind of socioeconomic factors that prevent people from healing and why we need collective resources as well. Um, Like, you know, food, 
um, poverty, money. There's just so many different things that play a factor in your own growth and your own healing. So as much as it is an individual thing, it's also like a collective thing that involves, you know, different systemic um, issues and different systemic resources. And they kind of have to like work together. So I find value in both, but like a lot lately because it's a pandemic a lot of collective healing has been keeping me going and just like relying on my support systems, relying on community community, and just taking advantages of the resources that I have. Because sometimes you think you really do have to go through it alone. So then you stop receiving the support, the external support that you have access to. And like, this is kind of a phase of my life where I'm like, no, like I'm going to like reach towards the resources I have, reach towards the people that I have um, because I deserve not only my own support, but the support that I have um, right near me too. Mm. That's so well said. It's, it's so like spot on. I feel like that's just been very much something that I've I've known, but I'm trying to actively um, deconstruct and actively change because there's so much like of this like preconditioning of like going through things alone is like strength and for sure attached to that. So I think that's something that I have to still work at. It's definitely hard. It's hard to like not see yourself as a burden or as an inconvenience when you start pulling on the resources that you have. And it's just like, you have all these connections and these friends, but you feel kind of like, okay, but if I let them know what's going on, how does that make me look? And I just feel like it makes you stronger. You know, there's like this misconception that like, once you, once you start asking for help and start using the resources, you know, that are around you, it might make you a bit weaker or less strength, um, less strong, sorry. Um, But I like really disagree. I think it makes you even um, more healthy. It makes you stronger um, because I just feel like there's so many things that, yes, you can do alone, but you can do so many things better when you do it with someone else or when you have like a team or you have like a healthy support system. Like you just get so much more done when you have um, different things at your disposal. Mm. That is so true. Yeah, there's a, there's a level of strength and vulnerability and just allowing people to be, um, play roles in your life. I think that's so big. Yeah. Um, and before we get started, I have an icebreaker. Honestly, I always struggle with the icebreaker, but I just, I want to always start it off with a lick. Just evening out uh, the conversation. Obviously, this is like the first time we meet virtually, so I just want to relax everybody. So my question to you is, Honestly, it might be a little corny, but it's okay. I think it's cute. (laughs) Um, My question to you is, if you could have dinner with anybody in history, dead or alive, um, who would it be and why? So I've gotten this question before and like I always have the same two answers. Mm -hmm. So dead would be Maya Angelou because she's like my favorite author and poet. And like, I just love everything about her. I think she's wonderful. And I just feel like I could totally see that being like anti-vibes of like someone I'd go to dinner and like get mentorship from or get advice from and talking up, talk about life with. Um, so definitely would love to have dinner with Maya and then also Rihanna. Woo. She's my style inspo. She's my like baddie inspo. She's my boss woman inspo. Like, and also like my just like generous, kind inspo, like she's just like a wonderful human. And like, I know I've never met her before, but you know, I've been following some of her work for a long time. And I think that she's just like super inspiring and I would love to have dinner with her as well. Mm, that's amazing. That's yeah. a great answer. The Rihanna answer though, I did not expect, but I see it. Cause I always think like, what would Rihanna do? You know, honestly, what would she do? Cause she's just like, and killing the game um, forever. And I just find that she's always true to herself. Mm. Uh, being in the industry can like, at least I, I know nothing about the industry, but you know, from someone who's looking from the outside in, like it looks like it can be scary and tough, 
Um, but I see that she's always like remained herself. So I love that. Yeah. She's yeah. Her authenticity literally speaks through her work. Um, and that kind of translates to my first question with your work and your whole journey with mental health and wellness and just your creativity and everything. Um, there's always a beginning to someone's story. And I kind of wanted to know, how did it start for you when it comes specifically to mental health, wellness, and occupying that space in whatever capacity it started in? Yeah, I think that's a, like a wonderful question. And like also things that I'm starting to like really think about and like, you know, re- really just like reflect on journeying and what that has looked like and, you know, what has led you here and like why. And I feel like I've kind of started to realize, actually, let me rewind. I feel like when people ask me this, I start to start reflecting on school and like education and like education is like what brought me to this journey. But then I start to realize and like reflect back. I'm like, no, this has existed even before I had the education. I just needed um, the words and the language to kind of articulate some of the needs and interests that I had. So I would say that like my interest and my care for like mental wellness and like humanities started when I was really young, when I started writing, um, I was a big, big poet and I just really loved writing and journaling and doodling, but also like just talking. Like I was a very vulnerable person who liked to talk about not only my own experiences, but things that were going on in the world. And I remember at a very young age, I was, you know, really clinging on to the different things that were happening around me. Maybe I was too young to be engaging in those kind of topics, but I really cared. Um, And in retrospect, I look back and like writing was my wellness. You know, that was my way of processing what's going on with me, but what's going on in the world. You know, and like trigger warning, I just remember being like 15 and talking about sexual violence, you know, not because I had experienced it at 15, but I knew someone who did. And then I started writing poetry about that. And I remember writing poetry about like, you know, my hardships with my mom and, you know, my mom being a single parent. I remember talking about, you know, being black and being a black young girl and what that meant for me. Um, And at the time, it just seemed like things to just write about. But now in retrospect, I'm like, no, this was my way of emoting. This was my way of like finding clarity. This was my way of finding resilience. Um, And, you know, writing was my wellness. It was my way of not only trying to understand the world around me, but understand myself. Um, And then I remember, you know, high school and I was like even more a part of like, you know, poetry and writing. And I was a part of this club um, called Lips. It was a spoken word club and like it was amazing. I had just like amazing um, teachers who believed in me and supported me. And I remember like applying to university and there was two things, creative writing in English or psychology, right? So I'm just like, well, I know I've been writing since forever. And like, that's always my dream. But also like, I'm very into like psychology and like helping people. And I kind of wanted to be a therapist when I was younger. Um, and just like, I really wanted to you know, impact people and make an impact with others. And because this was like seven years ago, at the time, I didn't think there was space for me to make a living off being a a Black writer. You know, there wasn't that much representation the way it is now. So ultimately, I did choose psychology. I'm like, this makes sense career-wise. This makes sense, like, for my future. This is the right thing to do. Um, I don't think the decision I made was necessarily fair, but I wouldn't change a thing because, like, I graduated from Ryerson University and I have like a degree in psychology and I loved it. Like going to university for psych has literally brought me to so many different places and has helped me learn so many different things. Do I like my decision of like saying, well, you can be a black writer because that's not a thing. I don't think my younger self was giving myself enough grace at the time because yes, I can do that shit. 
But I understand why my mind was there at that time. It was a different time. I was much younger um, and I have, I'm a lot more confident now. And I'm in a place where I'm like, I can do both. There's, you don't have to choose. You can do both. So that's kind of where my journey started of like, I've always been a writer, but like, what's something that is like career proof? Um, my career has kind of shifted. I don't want to be a therapist anymore, but I do want to engage in more community activism and community mental health and community wellness and community psychology, which I did also learn in school. Um, and understanding that psychology isn't like you're just a clinician or you're just a therapist and that's it. There's so many different avenues and different routes that you can take with your background. Um, and so, you know, working in several different jobs in psychology and mental health, I worked in a clinic before, Broadway Psychology Clinic. I was a teacher's assistant. I worked in the community healing project. Like I've worked in several places um, using my degree and they've all led me to community. You know, I worked in a clinic. I'm like, that's not for me. Worked in community spaces. I loved it. Um, so like being in school gave me more clarity, but I never stopped writing. And then I started writing about what I was studying. So they kind of just merged together. And I felt like, you know, just because you go to school and get a degree doesn't mean that's the only way to make impact. You know, I create art and that also makes impact, you know, and you could do those two together. And I feel like I'm in a, such a healthy, fulfilling space where, again, like I can do both and like use this um, westernized idea of education um, and then also, like, I've been learning in community spaces, too. Like, I've been receiving education and growing my knowledge in those community spaces as well. And as a creative artist, like, I've learned so much by being an artist and, like, being around different creatives. And I feel like using all of that knowledge um, has, like, really elevated me into space of, like, being able to teach and still learn. Um, and that's kind of where it kind of led me to here. And it's still passionate about art, still passionate about writing, passionate about mental health, um, community healing um, and all of that. And just making it more accessible and making it more inclusive. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've learned about my degree is that like a lot of people don't get invited to these spaces. Not only do not a lot of people don't get to go to school, learn about this, but the people who need these services often don't get it. So being a black woman who studied something that's very white dominated, I'm like, I'm going to change this. I'm going to be a person to be part of that change. And I feel like whenever I'm in those mental health spaces and I'm doing the work that I do, I'm always making sure that it's inclusive and accessible because that's how you really make social change. And that's how you really make impact by bringing more people who need the resources a part of the space. I love it. Wow. I love it. There's so much in there that I was like, Yes, but let me not be background noise to all these gems. Um, yeah, there's so much I want to say, but I'll keep it brief. I think the whole overarching concept of representation, especially in spaces that are like literally quote unquote not built for Black women is so important, especially in the healing process of someone, um, you know, being on both ends, being someone who's gone to therapy and then someone who's you know, been in spaces where therapy's been given, I've seen the impact of representation. And that plays a big role in just like the micro level, but hopefully on bigger scales in restructuring policy and accessibility to BIPOC folks. I think that's so important. Um, and I have such a deep like love and almost like this connection to you where I, my journey is very similar in the sense that I went to school literally to be a therapist and did the clinic, did the community aspect, did the nonprofits, did everything, realized, okay, I can't see myself sitting behind a desk and just giving someone 
help one because it doesn't necessarily most clinics don't necessarily cater to the people I want to help and I definitely want to be in those communities helping and then I don't want to give up the fact that my soul is only alive when I'm creating Mm. I really like I love 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 that you're creating these spaces for people like me you know who can see and be like oh my god she has a career in this let me follow and you know you're trailblazing and there's a couple of people who you know when we were younger I literally did not have anyone to look up to that was doing that so I love that you're doing that Um, a big shift in my career was literally from watching a creative um hey Fran hey I don't know if you're familiar with her but she holds um space in the creative wellness space and I remember just looking at her and being like oh my god I could do that one day like that's crazy like I didn't even think that that could be a career so um I'm so appreciative that you hold that space and there's people you don't even know who are looking up to you and you're like literally creating space for them without even realizing it yeah, like representation is so important. And because it's like, without representation, you start to think that the things that you want to do aren't possible, yeah. right? Like look at literally 17 year old me saying like, I can't go to university for writing because that's just not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, of course I, I I stand by my decision, but like, I'm hoping that there's going to be a 17 year old right now who's in high school. And if she wants to pursue writing, she's going to choose the writing degree, not the whatever else degree, you know? So I love that the times are changing and that there's like a real um, demand for these these spaces. And like we're pushing um, we're pushing a culture that's like prioritizing black and brown folks. Mm -hmm. And that never existed before. And I think that's really, really important. And I'm really appreciative and also just grateful, like grateful to be part of that conversation, grateful to be part of those spaces where things are moving and like we're creating real change and we're making more things possible to be an artist, to be a psychologist, to be a community activist, you know, you know, to wear whatever you want to wear, you know, to build brands, to build businesses, like all these things are becoming more and more possible um, for different kind of identities. And I think that's so powerful. I love it. Yeah. And one of your identities is being an educator and working and working amongst communities. And, you know, I I think I said this before on my podcast, Um, my grandfather always taught me the importance of a teacher. He -hmm. would always pray for his family. And then right after his family was his educators, his teachers, his mentors. And mind you, he only went to school till he was 13. But Mm -hmm. it was that importance of education and knowledge that he would always reinforce um, to me. So I really wanted to, so automatically I have such a high regard for teachers is what I'm trying to say, but I wanted to know discussing such heavy topics and being in these spaces, how do you still maintain your wellness and your mental health? Yeah. First, I want to say big respect for teachers as well. I feel like me and you, we do teaching in a different way that's still impactful, but I also like have huge respect for the teachers who are in classrooms too, because um, that's a whole other kind of strength as well. And I, I value the community educators and the you know teachers who are working in school boards. Like they're both so integral to like learning and like really changing young kids' lives. Um, and I think as I engage in those spaces, whether working in schools or working in communities, I stay well by one, still like engaging in my creative practices because those are still my wellness. But then when I'm exhausted of those, because those are part of my work life as well, you know, finding other things to keep me active and moving and make me feel grounded. Um, so that can look like, you know, doing more rest, you know, taking time to be on my mat and stretching. Um, I really love to roller skate. So 
in moments where I'm feeling really blue or just really like down, I'm like, I'm gonna wear my skates. Um, skating is like the best thing ever. And like in winter, I started ice skating a lot more as well. Um, I just feel like wellness doesn't always have to be these um, traditional ways of like going for a walk, meditating, yoga, which I love doing all of those. You know, I took a walk yesterday and I had an amazing time. Um, and I think those practices are helpful, but it's okay to do other things that cater to what your body needs in that moment. There are certain days where I don't want to do yoga. There are certain days where I'm like, I don't want to like stretch. I don't want to take a walk. I want to stay in my bed. So how can I take care of myself in bed? Maybe I want to open a book. Maybe I want to turn on my laptop and watch my favorite show that gives me joy. Maybe I just want to go right back to sleep. You know, I think my wellness changes day to day because my needs change day to day. But I think the ultimate message is that I'm constantly finding ways to keep myself well. Yeah, I love that. My needs change day to day. So my wellness does as well. That's huge. That's so real because um, a lot of the time we think, not we, but generally, um, wellness or self-care is very like cookie cutter or like do these things and you'll feel good. And it's not always the case. I think it really comes down to how you feel and what is going to work for you that day. Literally, like there's days where I can do, you know, my stretching yoga, a meditation and I feel good. And then there's days where I literally just want to eat trash food and watch trash TV. And that makes me feel good too. And it's just a balance. Yeah and understanding why you need certain things those days yeah, for sure yeah. balance is key that's something I'm telling myself too like you don't need to be juggling everything mm-hmm. you know make balance no one to stop no one to take breaks because balance is so important mm-hmm. and yeah that kind of ties into my next question when navigating these spaces um what have you found helpful I'm assuming balance is one of them um but what else has, have you found helpful Yeah, like amongst balance, like discipline, like there are times where you don't want to do things and like just telling yourself, but you need to do this because it's for you. Like you are worthy of this thing that is a little bit tricky and hard, but you need to do it because that's how you stay well. And that's how you protect your space and protect your energy. So like finding disciplines and moments where I'm just like, uh, like, I don't want to do this right now. But then like reminding myself, no, but if you do this, you're just going to feel better. You're just going to feel a lot more elevated and a lot more you know, joyful or just experiencing a lot more ease. So discipline has been really helpful as well. Um, on like eating, like that's a huge thing that people don't, I feel like people sleep on eating because like that's definitely w- ways that we stay well. Like it's not just like, it's for survival, but it's also like to make yourself happy, you know, like you need food and like you need food to not only be healthy, but to be creative, to be things that taste good. Like food is important. And there's certain days where I'm like, I'm not in the mood to like cook or I'm not in the mood to like get up, but I'm like, okay, like discipline, like make yourself something to eat, not because you need it to survive, but because like you deserve food, like you you deserve food. And um, I feel like having the discipline to cook my favorite things or to go to the grocery store to get my favorite things is like so important um, to my well-being. Yeah. It's an act of love. For sure. I love that. Definitely an act of love. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so important. And just, the whole conversation of like gut health and everything else, but just the act itself. um, You're so right about that. It's very important. Um, And I definitely agree that living on your own, I'm realizing how much, like if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. So I think it's really part of that whole um, 
It's teaching yourself the way you want to be loved through yeah. action. So I think that's super important. Um, and I, I know that your journey has, you know, it, it's a lifetime, right? Your, your wellness journey is a lifetime. But I wanted to know what has or who has, or it could be anything, person, place, thing, has impacted you the most during your wellness journey in the last couple of years. Well, uh, one organization that has been like just super impactful and has given me so many tools is the Community Healing Project. Um, They have been such a great tool and resource to my own wellness journey, not only so I can do this kind of work. For those who aren't familiar, the Community Healing Project is like a really, really great resource in the city that basically aims to provide um, youth and young adults mental health literacy. Um, They provide jobs, they provide tools and different resources and also host like a bunch of free workshops in the city. Um, And I worked with them for a year, for actually a year and a half. Um, And like, I had such an amazing experience being able to be part of those workshops, being able to like get the training and like be a part of those spaces. That like that was a really impactful time in my life of like working with predominantly black and brown folks who believe in your healing and also like really believe in just you. You know, they believe in your healing. They believe in you. They believe in change. Um, and then we're like all supporting each other collectively. And I feel like that was such a great space to teach me um, more about myself, but also what I want to give on to others. Um, so shout out to the Community Healing Project. I feel like I can't pinpoint one specific person because like everyone has been super influential, but an organization that's been super, super impactful has definitely been CHP. Yeah, that's so, yeah, so spot on. I'm going through their uh, healers program right now. I've done workshops with them in the past. And I remember someone saying to me, I had a, I had a meeting and he was like, are you bored in the meetings? Like, I feel like you know this stuff already. And I was like, See, I've never even thought that I was bored. It was never about the information. It was more about what it represented, the conversations that came out of that information. It was people who looked like me, people who had experiences like me or people around me talking about, you know, mental health in that context. And that was so powerful, you know, growing up in marginalized communities or um, where structures are in place as obstacles to get certain wellness needs. Um, I thought that that was just, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm hearing stories that I've witnessed or I've lived in people who are now teaching me how to discuss it with others who similar, similar experiences. And that's not, you don't learn that at school. You know, that's something I could never have learned. You know, I could, I, they were almost separate before and it just reaffirms like, this is the work I want to do. And I not only want to have, um, I not only want to have this information, but I want to know how to approach it. And it's important to have representation and to have lived experiences because for so long, you know, applying for my master's and stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, like just get me in a room so I can talk to them and tell them like, I've lived this versus just judging me off of paper. But community healing project, it's almost the other way around. They're basing you off of your lived experiences, what you know. Then the rest is like, you can teach anyone, you know, something about psychology, but you can't teach someone what it's like to live a certain life or to literally have a lived experience because of your gender, your social economic status, all these things. And literally just down to who is teaching you this information. It's not this hierarchy of, you know, most of my professors were white men, you know? So Mm -hmm. having black and brown folks who've literally been 
part of this of the community healing project at one point now teaching is so beautiful I think it just creates this um there's definitely a word for it but this dynamic in community where it's like the community is now self-sufficient it doesn't need exterior Mm -hmm. voices to come and teach and heal Mm -hmm. it's like no we are healing from within um Mm -hmm. and I moment yeah full circle I love it um I love the work they do and I love the people that I've met through it like it it's I didn't realize how great it was till I was like in it. And I was like, oh, like where were (laughs) y'all for so long? Um, I love it so much. I'm so grateful for them. Um, But my next question to you, you hold a lot of, I think, okay, let me rewind. So the community healing project to me embodies community and someone, my mentor is actually from the States and I don't know how you feel about this. This is just something off the top of my head. Um, community within the wellness space, at least content creation, wellness, and all that. I I crave that a lot, at least in Toronto. And I can maybe name a couple people that I know who hold that space, but it's not this community yet. At least I haven't felt that. Um, so I really like, I'm yearning for like people who align very much with this idea of like supporting marginalized communities, mental health, wellness, but also having that creative aspect, um, which is a big reason why like I, I connected to you right away. And I wanted to know, how have you felt about that aspect in Toronto? Have you found it? Have you found it? Or do you find that there's room for it? Or do you think it's just like, Toronto is just notorious for making creatives very just isolated. Everyone's just doing their own thing. Yeah. Just want your opinion about that. I feel like I have a unique situation um, because I've cultivated the support systems that I need, but I don't want to also like invalidate that that's a real experience for a lot of other creatives who don't, don't feel like there is a space that they could like flourish in a collective way. Um, it's very similar to what you said. It can feel very isolated, but I've like, I feel like for me, like I've like cultivated enough room for myself to not only take up space, but I'm also like, I need y'all with me. So like I'm not afraid to like work with different people. I'm not afraid to call on different people and to call on different resources and collaborate. And I've kind of like done that for myself. So I I never feel isolated anymore. I actually feel very empowered and um, supported in this space currently. But I know that that can exist for a lot of different people as well through a culture thing but also it could be an individual thing like are you like actually taking the initiative to put yourself out there to take up space um and to cultivate you know collaborations and you know um just communicating that you want a more collective um a collective community you know I think sometimes you will you believe something and it starts to be true you know, you believe something for so long, it really starts to become true. You're like, Toronto is not community-based. Toronto does not have this. I feel like it's very individualistic instead of collective. I mean, collective. Um, Then you start to believe that's true and it starts to become true for your your life. It becomes a reality. Um, So I feel like 100%, I know that's a true narrative for a lot of people. And I feel like I've kind of transitioned from that space for the past couple of two years and I do feel really supported. I love that. No, that's good. That's so real. Everything... Your reality is literally a, like a mirror of like your subconscious thoughts and your belief. And um, there's just too much talent here for it to not be possible. Like I always, sure. so mm-hmm. I've never limited myself, but I think just reaffirming like what you said 
um, it really does start with what you believe is possible. So no, that's, that's so real. So real. Um, and kind of how, just to bring it back full circle, we, we both occupy similar spaces when it comes to wellness, creativity, advocacy, um, specifically for BIPOC folks. Um, and I wanted to know, well, you kind of spoke on it actually, but when did you feel that merging the two was your calling and in alignment with the type of career you wanted to have? Um, I think when I started Our Women's Voices, like when I started Our Women's Voices, it was for others. It was for community. It was for the people in my life. Um, and I started to see not only the education side of it, but like the art aspect of it. I'm like, I don't value women who are just in school. I value women who are also like, you know, in creative arts who are also building things for entrepreneurs. Like whatever you're passionate about, I value that. You know, if you're passionate about something and you're taking it by storm, I value that. So when you do that kind of work and you see so many different kinds of women and different kinds of like careers, you're just like, damn, like these women are fearless. Like I need to be fearless too. You know what I mean? And it's like when I started putting myself in that space and being surrounded by more community members and like, you know, women who really inspired me, I'm just like, I want to do all of it. And why not? You know what I mean? And like, I just remember being in my second year of university and really focusing on my degree and like being a clinician. And I'm like, no, like that is not my calling. You know what I mean? Community is my calling and I do want to make an impact, but I can still make an impact writing too. Um, so I, I truly believe like, you know, starting my nonprofit really pushed me and empowered me to like do whatever the fuck I want. And like, I get to choose. And that's because I was speaking to so many different women and I was surrounded by so many communities who were like doing whatever they wanted to and were killing the game. I'm like, I can do this too. So we're the, it were the women who I was in community with who inspired me. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. And to kind of just draw on something you said, I'm honestly like, I'm not even, I'm done with this. These <laughs> I just have a question that from what um, you've been saying. What do you find has helped you, especially with our women's voices? I think that that's been um, something that I've been following for a really long time now has allowed you to be successful in these spaces. What have you found? I found one being yourself. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but like truly, truly, like you can build a brand and build an organization off just being yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, people gravitate towards vulnerability. People gravitate towards whatever's authentic. When people see you really just being yourself and like celebrating that, we're like, hey, like she's celebrating herself. I love that shit. Um, and I've honestly have been doing a lot of that more. Like I've been growing, I grew up in a place of like shame and like not celebrating myself and feeling like I gotta like be smaller and also not be as loud, not be as bright um, and like shrinking myself. So I wasn't making other people uncomfortable and I wasn't being too much. And once I started saying like, fuck that and like really just embracing who I am, whatever that looked like and celebrating what that looked like, you know, community was gravitating towards me. I didn't have to start like, knocking on anyone's door to be let in people were like coming in naturally and organically and I feel like just being myself and staying true to like what my dreams were and like what I wanted to see I was able to you know find success in that not and it's not success in a materialistic way not just make money or partner with people but like real friends like I made real friends I made real support systems and the collaborations I've had that were you know maybe materialistic 
they were not just materialistic. They were also impactful. Like, yeah, dollars might've been made, but also like, I did something great with this partner. I did something great with this business or this organization. And we did something great together. Um, and I feel like, again, just like being yourself really does allow for the right people to gravitate towards you. And then also like just standing firm in what you want. There's been so many times people have told me to compromise and to rethink what I'm doing because it wasn't traditional enough. It wasn't foolproof enough. It was a bit risky or like you're you're in your head about this or like you're a black woman. Like, what do you think? How much change do you really think you can make? Or how many times do you think you could do something and think it's going to stick? Um, and I'm just like standing firm and like, no, like I believe in this because I believe in myself and I believe in the purpose um, that I know that I have. And I think standing firm in that has also allowed me to be successful with our women's voices, with my own brand, with, you know, the healthy relationships I've cultivated, with school, like I fucking graduated after five years, you know, like standing firm again in like what I want to see and who I want to be has been integral to this journey. I love that. No, that's perfect. That's the perfect way to kind of wrap everything up. Like there's no better advice just in life to just stay authentically yourself and everything else just comes in alignment to that. Like what is for you will always be yours. I love that. Yes. I love that quote. It's my favorite. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was like such an honor to like be on your podcast, which I also really, really love and also love the work that you're doing. I think it's so important for like more women to be in like mental health spaces because I feel like um, we kind of get to shift the narrative of what it means to be a woman and to be vulnerable and like what it means to be a woman and to engage in wellness and to make space for that. Um, so I'd love to see it and I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, but before you go, um, I just wanted to ask you one more question. It's not even a question, to be honest. I just like ending on a high note, a small joy. What has brought you joy this week? This week? Ooh, this week, honestly, two things. One, buying myself flowers and watering my plants, <laughs> seeing them grow and being so fruitful. <laughs> and like, I'm looking at them right now, like they're doing so well, my children, um, they're thriving. And you know, winter is not a place for my babies to thrive. So honestly, they're doing really good. So, and I bought some flowers. I also live alone. So like, I bought some flowers for the space to kind of like lift my spirits and that's been really good. And then the second thing, like I cooked with my partner and like we've been cooking a lot and like cooking is again, like it's an act of love. You know, when you live alone, you really got to start taking care of yourself, reparenting yourself. And like those moments that I really took the time to cook for myself or cook with my partner have been like beautiful. Um, So those are the two joys that I'm happy and grateful for this week. I love that. Yeah. I bought flowers for myself too yesterday. I went on a walk and I was like, and someone asked me, they're like, oh, so like, who are these flowers for? And I was like, for me. (laughs) Like. (laughs) And I was almost like, why is that a question? <laughs> yeah, it brings me so much joy. Um, honestly, and cleaning. I don't know why cleaning my my space. No, for sure. So happy. I, who knew <laughs> that? Same. That brings me so much joy. Um, thank you again. And I wanted to know where can people connect with you if they wanted to continue with your journey? Of course. You could follow me on any platform. My at handles the same, Kyosha Love with three E's, K-E-O-S-H-A, and then love with three E's. And then if you'd like to follow my nonprofit for some of the community and culture things that we do, um, it's Our Women's Voices. So thank you so much for having me and I hope to continue the conversation. Yeah, I will add all your information in the description and I hope definitely to continue this conversation. Um, And hopefully when the world is a little less 
isolated to connect with you in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should do like a cafe lunch thing for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So down. Always down for that. Thank you again. Thank I you so much. have your Sunday now. Thank you for thank coming. You. And I really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. You guys can find us at Call Me Crazy Pod. And we are on Key Radio Sundays and Tuesdays. And we'll see y'all next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.